Hello and welcome back to the Simplicity Diaries. My name is Kim John Payne. I'm the author of Simplicity Parenting and so glad you could be with us. Today's theme is how to choose programs for children, how to make that discernment. You know, so your kids are getting older, you're thinking, well, maybe, uh, you know, maybe we could have some videos. Maybe we could have a Saturday night at the movies. You know, some parents uh, feel that that's the place where they come down as a compromise with screens. And how do you make that judgment? What is healthy um, in terms of letting your kids watch and what is not? Now, the where this came up a lot for me was I was giving a workshop once and a gentleman uh, was fairly strong in saying, well, look, we grew up with television and, and we're okay, aren't we? And uh, I thought, you know, that's a fair point. Um, so... I took that back to a group of students at my university and and told them about this and said, you know, we should look at this. We should look into what programming was like, because my guess is that this gentleman who was talking about this was probably growing up in, a, in the 70s, you know, or so, give or take. And um, it wasn't the first time in, by any means I'd heard this. So... We began uh, digging into it, and we watched roughly a hundred hours of children's programming from the 1970s, and then we watched roughly a hundred hours of children's programming from the 2000 teens, and compared the two. Now, the baseline uh, for me was based on uh, some peer-reviewed research that basically um, said that in order for a child between the age of 9 and 12 to be able to absorb an image and actually make meaning of it, it was you know, a rather complicated study, but in a nutshell, you know, make meaning of this, not be scared by it um, and have, have it go to the amygdala in the brain, the fight-or-flight brain, but have it go to that sort of discerning, more executive um, functioning of the brain just under four seconds. And I thought, well, that's really, that's really interesting. So um, we uh, took that as a baseline, checked that out with a number of uh, colleagues uh, about this sort of four second thing. And they said, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's about it. And there was pretty universal agreement. So we then uh, basically watched this programming with that in mind. And the results were fascinating, to say the least. We got a, um, uh, we rolled in a um, audio-visual equipment, and we watched, as I said, a bunch of more modern contemporary TV programming, computer programming, you know, gaming, all this sort of stuff. And we we were intending to mark down every time the camera either panned, zoomed, changed, or as, as it turned out, split screen or flickered. 
And with the four-second rule in mind that it takes four seconds for a child to absorb an image and not have it just simply um, be kind of low-calorie images or empty-calorie images... Um, we couldn't actually keep up with it. We had to get the AV guy in to to give us the to show us how to slow it down into frames because we couldn't mark down on our papers quickly enough how many times the images were changing. It was so rapid, very, very, very fast, and it left us looking at each other, thinking, "Wow, four seconds." For this not just to be sort of empty calorie, just junk images, or what worse, you know, just scare the kids, just flickering and scaring, and, and the images that were coming across were at times pretty intense and nasty and designed to be so. Um, so then we took uh, some programming from the 1970s. The thing that particularly comes to mind is Mr. Rogers. Most of the um, listeners in the U.S. will remember Mr. Rogers. For for um, listeners um, to this podcast from other countries, it was just this lovely, gentle man who had a, an enduring understanding of children's development, who um, uh, produced just countless hours of, of programming for children, Largely based around gentle storytelling, uh, projects, recurring characters. Um, And so we watched this and we were there with our pens at the ready, ready to mark down all the images. And we kind of didn't move very much. The, The images didn't change. They didn't pan very much at all, zoom very much at all, change very much at all. There was no flickering, no split screen. You know, Mr. Rogers would sometimes just walk away and um, the camera would just stay where he had been. I don't know where the cameraman was. He off to the pub or something. I don't, I don't know. But the camera would just stay where it was. And Mr. Rogers would come back and say, oh, hello. Are you still there? And on he would go, um, having retrieved, you know, some material that he needed for the project or whatever it was. The basic uh, math of it is, uh, when we sat down to do it, was that you would have to watch 92 hours of Mr. Rogers all packed into one, which, of course, you can't, if unless you sped up the tape, 92 hours of Mr. Rogers to equate to one hour of modern children's television programming. It's not the same. So what this gentleman was talking about at at, uh, my workshop, at the talk, uh, was sure enough, we did grow up with television, most of us, but it's not the same, not even vaguely the same. Now, how does this affect our choice of programming for children, should we wish to show them uh, television? Well, the four-second rule here is a really handy way to make a judgment. Watch the program ahead of time and make sure that the images stay on the screen and they linger three, four, five 
six seconds, and then maybe a change. And sometimes the images will take 10, 15 seconds. And once or twice, perhaps the images will move a little more quickly. But on the whole, where you have visual programming, where the images linger and where it's slower and a slower pace, then you can be um, much more confident that a child is not being basically um, pushed back into a default fight or flight um, mechanism uh, where the amygdala gets fired because the basal ganglia in the brain, the basal ganglia being the kind of sentinel, the sort of stop, who goes there, halt, who goes there and checks out the image and, and says, okay, you're funny, you go there, you know, oh, that's, that's very interesting, you, you go to the frontal lobes, oh, that's really scary, you go to the amygdala, oh, that's, <laughs> that's the basal ganglia, right? That's the sentinel who comes and checks out the images. But when the images are flickering and, and booming and buzzing and changing and split-screening, the sentinel, the basal ganglia, who comes at, who's meant to check out the images, gets overwhelmed, can't do it, can't keep up, and then basically says, I'm out of here, I cannot do this, I cannot handle this amount of visual stimulation, but... Before I leave, I'm going to close off all the barriers. I'm going to close off all, all every single road. I'm putting up barriers, and I'm only leaving the road open to fight or flight, to being able to, um, which basically is stimulating hyperactivity and stimulating defiance, and really uh, opening up pathways and enlarging pathways of the brain that all have to do with basically social and emotional problems. Whereas, if we can slow it down and slow the images down, then what we're doing is that that sentinel, that basal ganglia, that sentinel is saying, okay, I can check this out. I can cope with this. This is the amount of work I can actually do. I'm good with this and can make discernments. And so therefore, the, the, the brain functioning of a child is much more balanced at sending signals to all different parts of the brain, not just to the one reptilian uh, fight, flight, freeze, or flock uh, part of, of our, our, our brain. The four-second rule, largely, you'll see, applies to programming made back, guess when, <laughs> pre-80s. Almost, there's almost a kind of a um, a shift in the 80s when when images started flickering and moving fast. Occasionally, into the 80s and early 90s, you can find simpler um, um, children's programming. But programming from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, um, this largely adheres to the four-second rule. Now, I'm not suggesting we want to go back in time and, and be all sentimental about the 50s, 60s, and 70s. No, for me, I'm actually just applying modern science to what a child can actually absorb and what is healthy for them, both socially, emotionally, and neurologically. Okay, well, I sure hope that is helpful. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>